0: Welcome to the Popcorn Counter here at the Two Real Cinema Club. I'm James Ruzica. And I'm Andres Lorente. Uh, wait, wait a second. Uh, what, what's, what's that behind you there?
1: Behind me? Oh, yeah. oh that's, a, that's a mic. No, no, no. no. What's, what's, he, what's this guy behind you here? Oh, that's a mic. Two, <laughs> also. Oh, oh, oh. I'm sorry. I, I understand your confusion. That's my lifelong friend... Michael E. or Michael Edward or just Michael Primer, depending where you are in his extensive IMDB listings. He's a profe- professional sound man and a guest today here. Michael Primer, thank you for joining us on the Two Real Cinema Club.
0: Thank you very much. Happy to be here. So how, how do you guys know each other? Uh,
1: birth. <laughs> that covers that a multitude of ills. Tell me more. <laughs> Uh, we grew up in the very same town here in Maine. I met Michael probably when I was like eight or nine years old, playing like youth soccer and youth mm. hockey, and then uh, I think there's...
2: I think it was youth youth hockey that started it all. Yeah, for sure.
1: That's ice hockey. Ice George. hockey. Ice hockey. Uh, right. Okay.
2: Right. Right. So, do, so do
0: you
1: do do you literally remember the moment that you met at the age of eight? Uh, No, the very moment, no. It was probably just in a mess of people who could barely skate and then me just firing a wicked slap shot, probably in the upper 90 miles per hour right at Michael. He was a goaltender, and I doubt he saved it, but sometimes he did, sometimes he didn't.
2: They gave me the affectionate nickname of Civ, and I never quite figured out what that meant, but uh, I adopted it and took it on with pride. Um, I dare say it might have been a few years before the age of eight, even. So it was. Yeah, yeah. It might have been like five or six back in the wee wee, the, the early early days of, of ice hockey for us, anyway. Yeah.
0: What was that show that used to be on TV in the 1970s? What's my line? Something like that, yeah. where people come in and you have to guess what hmm. they did for a living. Yes. So, I will you will you explain um, what do you, what do you do for a living? Um, I'm. I record sound
2: for a living. So, so like your official title is Sound Recordist? Or? Well, it depends on the circumstance, whether, you know, if I'm filing my taxes or if I'm filling out an application for a job, <laughs> it depends on the context a little bit. Um, but so I work in, in a variety of, of hats. I wear uh, recording sound. So I will work as a location sound mixer. Uh, sometimes I work as a. Right. Sometimes I'll work as a boom operator. Um, sometimes, and then on a movie or TV show, when you have a larger crew, sometimes I might be the sound utility. If I'm not one of the other two positions, and um, what what sound utility? Um, so, generally speaking, as as a location as a lo- location sound recordist is another term. There's a, there's a lot of terms for the same thing, uh, but ultimately, I record sound mostly for. Um, film and for video And for digital now Awesome So it's a combination I work on uh, I work on movies I work on TV shows On documentaries Corporate videos Commercials um, Occasional home video for a friend um, Or a video podcast if it were Awesome <laughs>
0: I'd be I, I, fascinated to know How, yeah. how do you start in that line, how do you start in mm. sound recording? I mean, I, you know, like, do you take a course? Do you get training? Do you, you know, is it that you're kind of, you know, you you start on like a really small picture because you're
2: somebody's friend, or you know, how does it work? Well, there's a variety of entry points. Um, there's no real like absolute uh, direct path. In fact, a lot of times talking with colleagues, it's always interesting to hear like different people's stories, like what their path was. Um, For me personally, I mean, ultimately, um, most people, I would say, get into it because they have an interest in microphones and recording technology. And maybe they dabbled in it a little bit and that one thing led to another and they started doing it as a profession. So for me personally, I started uh, a few years after... Andres was pummeling me with uh, ice hockey pucks. I remember that well. <laughs> um, <clears throat> a few years after that, uh, we all started picking up musical instruments.
1: Mm, that's right.
2: And um, for me, I play stringed instruments, mostly guitars. Uh, later, I moved on to ukuleles and other things. Um, and my dad had an old reel-to-reel tape recorder and a micro, microphone or two to plug into it. And so I started dabbling with, oh, what, what if I plug the microphone in and then play my guitar and then record it and had big old VU meters I could watch and um, play it back. And, and so it, it, it sort of started from there. I, I was uh, kind of fascinated by the technology. And then uh, over time, I realized that I had a bit of a knack for it.
1: I would I would interject here and say that um, M- Mike's work is something that the two real cinema crowd has heard again and again. I was going to ask. Yes, on the opening theme, we use a piece called "Mud Season," which not only did Michael record many years ago and many years later than what he's talking about right now, but uh, he also plays guitar on that. And then oh man, we also use a piece of a track uh, called The Day the Tube Broke Down, which Michael recorded. And if we recorded that song so many times that I don't know if he... um also, play guitar on that one as well. So, we're using your work without permission, honestly, week after week after we week. We actually owe you a lot of money, Mike.
2: Uh- Excellent. <laughs> it's
1: actually, and it's actually the best part of the show. It's probably the best work, the uh, best thing that you hear on any given show. So, um, Mike's work is familiar to us and to our audiences. As well. I'm
2: glad that I caught up to you. Uh, so, I guess we can settle up when we're done talking as far as the uh, <laughs> financials go. <Yeah. laughs> Just. Just
1: to be clear, we weren't paying you anything for this interview, but right. we'll
2: pay you <laughs> the rights
1: on the song.
0: So, what is it, but how does it, how does how, how does it move from you know recording some instruments on a two track um, to then you know recording sound for you know, a feature film? What are the steps that lead from
2: from A to Z there? Okay. Um, well, for my mm. path, and like like I said, it can be different for others, and. and often is but my path was i went to college and decided to study filmmaking uh, as a general um, direction and while i was an undergraduate i discovered very pretty quickly that the graduate students who all had projects of their own they always needed a sound person and and in film school (laughs) in film school everyone wants to be a director or they want to be a cameraman um Nobody really wants to do the sound except for the few kind of nerdy people off to the side. And so I discovered that that, I mean I wanted I did my own projects, but I realized I, I could work it on a higher level um, on the graduate student projects and learn that much more uh, and get a little more experience uh, doing that. So um, I started doing that. and then as, Friends in school were graduating and moving into the professional realm. It just from that point on, it really becomes a series of of a lifelong series of networking right so as far as like my my actual training, I did take classes in um a few classes in in audio recording. not at the time uh in the school that I went to, there weren't any classes dedicated to. Um, sound for film. There might be one or two days dedicated in the court, in the, in, as part of a, a greater class on filmmaking in general, but not an entire course to it. Um, so I, d- I just realized while I was in, in, at the college level that my, the, my best choice or my best way forward was to just get as much experience as possible um you know work, working with people
1: must have made you a very popular person because no one needs another director no one needs another yes. writer but you always need lots of sound people I And
2: then that also helped me that helped me refine another uh difficult but necessary technique of how to turn down work um but yet not burn any bridges <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well I I I would I got to say that um you know it seems to me like your life you've got a great directory it's pretty pretty straight it's pretty right on you know it's uh, you you kind of knew what you were going to do and you seemed suited to it you know Jimmy's a an anesthesiologist or an anesthetist as they say over there Jimmy did you know that you were going to be an anesthetist when you were 12 years old or something like that or
0: pretty, absolutely no idea couldn't even spell it when i was 12 no
1: exactly no idea or like a, yeah and it a, as, a, as a as a student in school i never thought i'd be a teacher but i have got to say that um uh, Michael did these tremendous things when we were younger. I still can't figure it out, but he was track recording. You said two track, but uh, uh, Jimmy, we were working long before there was really like a Tascam or recorder or something like that. So Michael awesome. would actually bounce from sort of cassette to cassette, and I could never figure out what he was doing. But he would track just using a couple of different cassette players, um, and then you know, it just you could see Michael's growth just right through high school, playing in bands, recording everybody, recording a couple of different bands, um, and then also just going on to university, and then just immediately getting. Work as a sound person after that, so it's fairly fairly straight trajectory in terms of a career, and it's led you to a very long um, uh, list of films. If you look at, uh, as I said before, Mike's um, listings in IMDb, and by the way, all three of us here on uh, the Two Real Cinema Club today are listed on IMDb. <laughs> I'm a stunt driver, is one well, my one credit. James has an extensive writing credit, uh, but Michael's list of films, I mean, if you do go look at uh, Michael Primer on IMDb, you're going to see hundreds. I think you're well over 150, 160 films and projects. Is it that much? I don't know. It's super long, and I just—I wonder, I mean, that's so consistent. I mean, I wonder if you're getting tired of it a little bit, and I think that's one of James's questions for later on, but um, you've just been doing it. I mean, when you think about it, I'll reveal your age. He's 54 years old now, ladies and gentlemen, and so you've been doing sound on one way or another. One way, in one form or another for 40 years, I suspect. The, th- the thing that I find
0: you know, one of the many fascinating things about this um, is that it's like you know, the, the, the key to having a successful career is saying yes to everything when you get the chance to say yes. And then mm-hmm. cleverly, you're learning to say no skillfully yeah. once you've said yes enough times. Yeah. Did you find in those early days, were you hustling like mad to get work? Or because you were the guy who could do it and was available to do it, did you find that your people were seeking you out
2: quite early on? Hmm. No. um, I would actually say it was neither one of those situations. Okay. Um, It was more a matter of kind of luck and timing. Um, Because, and by that, I I mean, I, I don't feel like I'm a particularly good hustler. And I don't, I was not always pursuing jobs even maybe when i should have been but i had but back to what i mentioned earlier about the networking it was really about that um connecting with other people uh who were friends but i also felt like oh this person is going somewhere i'm definitely going to stay in touch with them um and then uh, you know a, a job might arise and then making the choice to do it or not but it I mean, definitely in the earlier days, I was saying yes more often than not. But it was mostly due to uh, the connection that I had to the person that was offering it. There's there's a, a famous joke in
0: kind of British medical circles. If you want to work as a successful anesthetist, especially you know working privately in the UK, people say you need the three A's. Uh, they say you need to be available, you need to be affable and you need to be able. Uh, and people say out of those three, by far the least important of the three for success in your career is ability. <laughs> that Actually, just as long as if people can get on with you and you pick up the phone, you know what? You can make a career out of it. And this is like a this is a useful bit of advice. Sounds to me like for you, know, for anybody trying to embark on any career.
2: Well, I would say, I mean, I'm guessing that probably applies to just about all professions and certainly does to sound recording, because I would say that I'm definitely not the most uh technically gifted uh and i certainly know others who i find it shocking that they're working at all um <laughs> you know and so and, and it runs it runs the full gamut you know uh in between
1: yeah but in that business you've just got to constantly be working with new technology. I mean I don't think you ever worked with eight track but you certainly worked with cassettes right and then moved into uh, probably VHS and SVHS and then on to digital and so you worked in so many different mediums over the years, right
2: Well um, by eight track we never I never did record anything with an eight-track cartridge if that's what you mean but if you may you may recall that that some of our recordings were technically eight track Oh I guess yeah that's true. On the old this is a very on that rare machine, the one inch analog eight track um yeah yeah, but yeah no, but but yeah, not the not the eight track cartridge um yeah, new technology is interesting, and uh it's definitely uh interesting to see like what old technology how how long it can linger on and still be viable um, you know and something something and other things just kind of come and go, but um technology is a, a fun aspect of it i guess
0: i mean i'm a, I'm a terrible nerd um, i would love to know what kit you find yourself using these days i mean I, i'd be interested to know whether it's, is it always the same kit is it your own kit do you take your own kit and you're responsible for it or do you have to just use what the sound department provides you know, what, what do you use
2: um it depends on the project but it's very typical that uh, the sound person will provide their own equipment. Um, now, if I'm working on a big movie, it's typically the sound mi- the sound mixer is the the head of the department of recording sound during production, and so they're in, they're in charge of choosing the gear, and it's primarily all of theirs. Um, Occasionally, and so if I'm second in command, which would be a boom operator, uh, I'll bring a little bit of kit, but but the vast majority would be the sound mixer's kit. Now, when I'm working uh, on much smaller things, corporate videos or documentaries, if, if I'm working, so then those situations I'm working on my own as a, as a single person department, um, then it's pretty much all, all my kit. Unless there's the oddball piece of equipment that I don't have and maybe I'll rent that item or borrow it uh, for a special, you know, for one day or for a special event or something. So, so have you got a cupboard full of microphones at home? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I I say that a bit, uh, I don't know if reluctantly or, or just, um, it's one of those things that an a, a independent contractor such as myself of any of of any persuasion but but definitely for a sound person you know how many how many is enough is, is a question mm. and it, it's 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 something to struggle with you know do you have a yeti blue because they don't know it but they actually sponsor our program um i don't but you know what for a small fee i would be gladly <laughs> test one out well do you do you have a favorite mic
0: are you are you can you um name yeah. drop it now what what's your go-to What what's the first thing you
2: reach for in the cupboard? Um, well, I do think, I think, you know, there's a variety of microphones and any one of them can be the right choice in the right moment. So I don't, I don't think that there's one microphone that's good for everything. Okay. Um, so for in this instance, for me talking into a microphone, for just a, a straight human voice, I definitely think that a Shep's microphone, and in this case, I'm talking into a, a Shep's the preamp is a CMC5 and the mm-hmm. microphone capsule is an MK41. And that and that combination is a very typical microphone setup for movies and videos. Uh a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of feature film dialogue will, will a lot of will be recorded with that setup. Um, and I find that it's the most natural sounding microphone for the human voice and Especially in in a quiet room, even if it's even if it's a little bit noisy, it still might be the right choice. Um, And so I use that. I would say I use that microphone. Most I would probably say I use it most often. Um, And I also use that for all interviews. So in a uh, in a documentary or corporate video or any kind of like you know typical what you'd call like a a typical sit-down interview, when you're looking at someone, you know, a talking head. Um, for me, Shep's is the go-to microphone,
0: hands and down. Would you be happy to stick that on the end of a boom arm as well? On a bo- is that is that the word boom arm, or is that is that is that a tautology? Is it a boom or an arm? <laughs> well,
2: no, it's a boom. It's a boom or a pole. Ah, oh, right, okay. What an amateur I am. I apologize. Yeah. So you could yeah, so you could call oh, it a boom cool. pole, or sometimes cool, we just like. say get the pole. Um but uh uh-huh. but for certain um Ooh. absolutely on the end of a of a boom it would be a great choice. Um now there's another Ooh. microphone that I prefer in dramatic uh productions for dialogue, and that's made by Sennheiser, it's the MKH50. And it's a very similar microphone to the Sheps, similar in pattern. Um, but it has a little, it has different characteristics to the sound. It has, it; it's a little, for lack of a better description, it's a little beefier sounding. Mm. Um, and I find, I find that when people, mm. um, when people are acting, there's a much greater dynamic range than when people are sitting, uh, talking for an interview. Ah. And I find that that, yep. that Sennheiser microphone is much better at capturing the nuances of the quieter moments and then the louder, the louder moments as well. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it just, and for me, it, it sounds best for dialogue for, for dramatic dialogue. But oddly enough, when I put it over someone's head, when they're just doing an interview, it doesn't sound right. And Anna Sheps is, is the one that sounds right. Hmm. So that sounds so. It's like the Al Pacino
0: microphones the way, you know, where way he does, like <laughs> the sentences that start out really, really quiet. Then he starts shouting halfway through. Yes, <laughs> you need a microphone that will do both of those ends.
2: Yeah. Yes. He's he's um, he's something else. That guy. <laughs> and and
0: um, what are you plugging your mics into? Is it still like a, a Nagra? That's like the, that's the name at mm. the back of my mind. A Nagra. That's what that's what the people at film school were using. Does that still exist? Right. Is that still a thing?
2: Um, it still exists. I don't think there are manual. I'm fairly certain they're not actually manufacturing any. Uh, I don't ah. but I, I don't I couldn't put a year on what year they stopped. Um, they are definitely a bit of a rarity now. There are cl- uh, clubs, the enthusiasts. Uh, <laughs> um, and, but what's amazing is, is to record on them. they still sound I mean they sound amazing. Hmm. Um, but the problems with them for daily use now uh, is they they're big they're heavy and they record an analog and really only at most yep. will record two tracks. So for any, oh, okay. it, now it's, now it's most common for um, um, everything to be multi-track um, and, and digital for certain um, because it's easier in the field and it's definitely easier in post.
1: But before there was zoom, the video program, I think there was a zoom microphone. Is that correct too? Yeah. Does anyone use those anymore?
2: Well, there's a there's a Zoom. I don't know if you'd call it a microphone. It's it's a Zoom. It's a
1: recorder, I guess. Yeah.
2: I think the company is yeah. called Zoom, and they make a couple okay. of products. Handheld recorders. I think they typically yeah. have a built-in microphone, and then you can plug in a microphone, yeah. um, okay. and they make one that plugs in two or one that plugs in four. Um, it's, it's kind of a prosumer item. Um, okay. I don't know if I would, have, I don't even know if I should say kind of. Yeah, <laughs> this is me poo pooing. Um, boy, prosumer that suggests, uh, let's just say advance. I don't have one in my kit. Um, okay.
0: <laughs> so what, so what do you record into? I'm, 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 I'm a, I feel like I'm, a, you're about to say my iPhone, but All I'm right. sure that's not the answer, it's not what you recorded. No, no,
2: I, I have tried that and experimented with that, but um, oh. Oh. uh, well, there's a couple, there's the company, the company that I have recorders uh is made is sound devices is the name of the company and i have a couple of their products and in fact right now i'm recording on one that's called a mix pre and it's a little three okay. input digital recorder i, I like the um, idea of
0: a company called um sound devices it's like they they all got into the boardroom and had you yeah. know many many hour-long session trying to figure <laughs> out what, what should we yes. call the company yes. what, what do
2: we produce it's yes, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's genius. You state the obvious, but yet somehow yeah. it sounds new, <laughs> new and fresh.
1: <laughs> um, I have a question for you, and it maybe yeah. leads to another one. Um, purely a guesstimate here. How yeah. many miles of cable have you coiled in your career?
2: <laughs> oh, man. If I had a dollar for every mile of cable I recorded, or, or, or rolled, yeah. um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it goes on but um in back right it, <laughs> but Something that's like that? it, 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 that's decreasing cuz nowadays that's was, that's, okay my yeah the heavy reliance on wireless technology yeah so oh. um coil uh, cable or cable coiling is no longer as necessary it's still done but it's not a lost art
1: yeah people still do it right
2: yeah the kids coming up don't necessarily know the over under oh. Oh, Jesus. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, t- you taught me that, and I've always done it that way, and I see so much cable poorly coiled, and it yeah. just <laughs> drives me crazy.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's problematic. Um, but as far as the, but back to the, your question about the gear, or, or the recorder, yeah. um, everything, you know, everything needs to be multi-track nowadays. Um and even even in like a documentary or so, but but you I presume you
0: only have one you only have one microphone at the end of the boom so what what are all the other tracks used for
2: Well okay if you're if i'm just doing a sit down interview i'll have a uh, yeah. a microphone on a boom pole over the head of the person talking but i'll also have a wireless microphone a lavalier on their person mm. that's a little bit of um of a backup kind of a safety it's kind of it over the years it's become expected that you have that uh, for safety purposes um it might be that uh, they lean forward forward and they're out of the pattern of the boom microphone or maybe there's a problem with it or whatnot it's just pretty common common practice so in that in that very simple situation i'll have i'll have two microphones now if you're if you're um if you're recording a dramatic scene uh for a movie and let's say you have a scene um where there's four speaking characters well each one of them is going to wear a wireless microphone <laughs> right okay and then you're going to have a boom microphone that in the ideal world will in the ideal world you would capture the whole scene with the one boom microphone now as is typical in in life you might have one person sitting on the couch and another person walking around over by the tv set or wherever so now if they're both talking at the same time you can't have one microphone recording them both right so now you would employ a a second a second boom so a second person holding a boom pole following and then if you have four people talking, well then you have to figure out <laughs> which boom person is recording which line of dialogue and when. Oh boy. And then it's up to the sound mixer uh, to figure that or to know that and fade up the correct microphone at the right time. Right. Oof. Now it might also be that it might be that that the person who's walking around by the TV set now they leave and go into the kitchen to the counter to get something. And now that second boom, because it can't go into the kitchen of them because they would be in the shot, right? So now maybe maybe you hide a, a, another microphone, another boom microphone, but it's not on a pole. It might be on a little stand or or it might be just taped to the wall or something. And that will, mm-hmm. we call that we call that a plant mic. Sort of in reference, well, in well because it's been planted there. It's kind of a oh, reference yeah. to uh, you know hide the microphone behind the plant, which I've done plenty of times by the way. Yeah. I was hoping um, it would be a real plant. Yes. Yeah. Right. yeah for yeah. Uh, I mean, if you ever look, at, if you're watching a, a scene in any show and they have a very wide shot, maybe in someone's sitting at a desk, I can guarantee you that there's a microphone hidden somewhere on that desk. <laughs> it, it might be behind the computer screen. It might be hi- under the telephone. It might be behind the potted plant. You never know. But um, so, anyways, uh, that would be yet a, a third boom microphone it's very specialized they only need it for that one time that the actor goes into the kitchen and and says the line sure and then he comes back out by the tv and then the and then the the second boom can pick that up in my in my hypothetical hypothetical scenario but but you see what i mean like you can have many that's the how you can introduce multiple microphones right and and therefore (laughs) you,
0: you can't have too many tracks
2: and yeah, therefore the need for multi tracks. Because in addition to this, everyone's wearing their lavalier microphone. Yeah. Um, and you might say, oh, that sounds like overkill. But that's in sometimes it is. But that's kind of what we do. Better, <laughs> better overkill than underkill. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's much better, as you guys probably know, making this podcast. Um, when you get into <laughs> when you get into post production and listening to the end result. You hear a certain part, and you're like, "Oh, it's really good," except for that one spot, you know. And then you, and then you think like, mm-hmm. "Oh, could we have done something different? Well, if we had the microphone over on that side of the table, we would have gotten that one line when 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 he left." And you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, that therein lies the, the the need for the need for multitrack. Mm. For uh,
1: unfortunately, I was going to say for that that one spot on our podcast is usually the entire time <laughs> that I'm talking throughout <laughs> the. Podcast, so there's very little we, can we could just do eliminate that it. talking business, and the whole thing
0: would be yeah. improving yeah. in quality enormously. So, so An- uh, Andrew's referred to. So, I know I'm I'm hogging all yeah. the questions because I'm utterly fascinated by this. I'm sorry, yeah. I will move over in a second. I promise. But yeah, okay, but okay. I I got to ask this. So, Andres referred to uh, like 150 entries on the IMDb. <laughs> Yeah. This is, I know, this is, this is crass and fanboyish, but Mike, what you've done, what you've done, come
2: on, what you've done. You mean, wait, wait, you want me to name them? That's the hard part. Is, 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 is that allowed? Is that, or is that like, is oh, that bad that, yeah, that no, manners? Of, of course it's allowed. And that's all the, the self-promotion and uh, that's the difficulty. But um, the hard part is, is, is actually remembering most of them because they all kind <laughs> of blend into each other. Um,
0: yeah, and I love the way that I na- I mentioned Al, Al- Pacino bag, there. Right? Yeah, and, well, I- and after I mentioned him, I realized, oh, you know, damn, yeah. maybe Mike has actually recorded Al Pacino, and I shouldn't be making this kind of crass, dumbass joke. No, that's
2: okay. He he he. I did record him. I, I worked on a movie with him a few years ago. <laughs> oh, right, I should have
0: kept my mouth shut.
2: No, no, it's it's all uh, all good. He, I found him to be. I mean, he's quite entertaining, as you could imagine his persona. Uh, he can be that way in in. in off camera as well, you know. It's it's a, you know, he's he's a, a funny, <laughs> dramatic, fellow. Uh, but I have a funny story that um, it, it was a movie with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. I'll just say that. Well, there aren't there are many of those. There's not there? many, so you can you can go from there. Um, so it, on this movie, I actually for I can't remember re- the reason why, but I had to I started the the job a few days or maybe even a week late so they had already started shooting before i joined <laughs> no. um but i, and I i've so, got
0: this mental image now they've shot a week's worth of footage and they're saying oh no no we can't hear anything there's no sound yes. what's missing well
2: no no i, I, I had a replacement a, a colleague filling in for me and so when i came in to take oh. over and, and, and finish the, re- the remainder of the job um She shared with me what the director said on day one, and the director told everyone he had basically a meeting before the first shot, welcoming everyone to the job, thanks for coming, blah, 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 blah. And he laid down kind of the rules of the way he likes to to operate. And the number one rule was that no one, no matter what the circumstance, should ever call cut other than him. (laughs) <laughs> that was the the like absolute number one rule because he just he likes to let the camera roll and you know some and and it's true sometimes when you think a shot is done some magic might happen you know they might riff or come up with a new line or something happen but you know. Or whatever. Maybe they've blown the blown the shot, and then they want to restart it. And he said, and he doesn't want to cut. He just wants to keep rolling. So, anyways, that was the rule. So I come into the job, and my my friend tells me this before I said, "How did the week go?" She's like, "Oh, it went pretty well, but you got you got to know." Yeah. That the director said this on day one. I'm like, okay, no problem. So, literally on my first day of working it, I don't I don't think it was the first shot, but it was de- definitely during the first day. Um. Now on this job, I was working as the boom operator. So my immediate boss is the sound mixer and he's back at a cart with the recorder and with, through the magic of our technology, he can, he has a private microphone line where he can talk into it and I can hear it in my headphones and no one else can hear it. (laughs) So we're in the middle of a take with Al delivering some, you know, genius dialogue and as we're rolling, my friend, who is my boss, starts talking to me in my headphones, and he says, "Oh no, the machine stopped recording. We're not, we're, we're not recording the the machine. That it, it 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 shut down. I have to I have to reboot. I have to reboot the machine." Right? He's telling me this in my headphones, and so. <laughs> And we're shooting film, so there is no there is no backup recording. There's no uh, safety track on the on the video camera or anything. It's all you know double system. So, in my mind, he's telling me this, and I think we have to cut because we because we're not we're not rolling at all. It's not that it's not that the sound is bad. It's not because there's an airplane coming or or something that would be, uh, de- you know something that I would seem uh, think is detrimental to the sound, but there actually is no sound. Because we're not recording, so I decide. Uh, I think that the, I think that my friend is telling me that we have to cut. So I say, "Oh, I'm sorry, we have to cut. I'm sorry. <gasps> we have to cut. We're not. We're not recording. We have a technical problem." <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was a great moment.
2: So the director comes uh. out, steam coming out of his ears, like, "What the hell has happened? <laughs> who, who called cut?" And here I am, the new guy, in his mind, because even though I was hired for the job, I'm, oh. I started late, so now I'm the new guy. Um, I have to explain to him that, well, I'm really sorry, but, but we're not actually recording any... Like, it's not that the sound is bad. There is no sound. The machine stopped. We, it, you know, it stopped recording, and we have to reboot it. He then goes on a at least five-minute, I, I dare say ten-minute rant about how how uh, awful this is to his method and how incredibly genius Al Pacino is at looping, which is the common practice of replacing your dialogue that was recorded on set. You re-record it later. And typically to do that, you have to have, even if, if the recording is bad on the original day, you ha- at least you presumably you can hear the lines, and they usually need that so they can do the looping and make it in sync with what the picture is but since there's no sound i'm thinking well he won't be able to loop it because there's no sound to to match the picture anyways um that was day one i would say this that it was not the most pleasurable experience that movie um but i'm told that al pacino is incredible at looping (laughs) Um, so after he finished his five to 10 minute rant, <laughs> he then, and, and me looking very earnest cause I can produce that kind of look. Um, he, uh, he looked at me and said, don't ever do that again. And then he went back and we did the next take. Um, <gasps> I, I wasn't fired from the job, but, Phew. but by the end of week two, I then wished that I had been fired from the job because <laughs> oh, the wow. remainder of the shoot proved to be extremely unpleasant for a, lot of, for a variety of Yikes. other reasons, but um, I don't like to get too personal.
1: But would he have been more angry to run this entire take and then learn that there was no sound whatsoever? I mean, it seems
2: kind of immature. Well, um, that's, uh, that's essentially what I was thinking. Even though he doesn't okay. want me to yell, take uh, yell cut, um, he'll be infinitely happier later because there is yeah. no there's no yeah. sound for Al to to loop to. Anyways,
1: yeah, and that that way he doesn't fall in love with some long take that he can't use, yeah. or he's not burning film when he doesn't need to. It's just it's uh, yeah. ridiculous.
0: Uh, so, Ooh. I I. I, I it's, and this may be terribly rude. I may be breaking all the conventions of, of polite discourse hmm. in the sound recording world, but I'm going I'm to ask it anyway, and I'm going to um, expect a rebuke if this is the wrong thing to ask. Is the film you're talking about heat? No. No. Right. Okay. No. Fine. Uh, and the only I was going to say that I, um, a friend of mine went to see Heat, and the thing he really absolutely raved about was how great the sound was. And I was just on the cusp <laughs> of telling telling you, well, you know what? The uh, the one thing yeah. that really impressed my film, and was was my the, friend about that film yes. was the sound. Yeah.
2: No, I, I I'm I can probably guarantee that your friend didn't see the film that I'm referring to. Um, okay. But uh, but I'm told the sound was great. <laughs> good to that saying
0: yes i was i I was gonna i kind of ask you out out of you know out of the the gigs that you've done what were some of the highlights what were some of the low lights we've we've covered
2: it all in the same al pacino film yeah well it's interesting when when people ask me that question i have to I, i i i have to say that that i compartmentalize experiences and so okay some films um stand out with highlights because of the location or the circumstances mm. and other films stand out because they were great films or, or, or good mm. films. I don't know. Um, so, um, so in terms of those highlights, um, location wise, I've, I've been on some really fun, fun jobs. Um, interstellar was one. Oh, uh, we, cause we spent, we spent a bit of time, uh, in Iceland, which is a place that I love. And, um, that was really uh, fun. It was super challenging, um, but a really great experience. Um, got to fly in a helicopter oh, for, so that, I, for part I, of that and, and hike around ooh. on a glacier. And um, oh. That bit was fun. I've got to
0: ask you then, if Interstellar, uh, you're yeah. another film with, which has a, an enormous uh, reputation for sound. Yeah. Um, so w- were you recording the dialogue? during those you know, very loud scenes where you know, the, the rocket is taking off and you can't really hear what people are saying because you're not supposed very, to be able
2: to hear what people are saying. Yeah. You're supposed to be overwhelmed by the sheer the, volume of this bloody rocket. Yeah, the very loud scenes where you can't hear anyone talking, but you know they are. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. Oh, but, oh, but that
0: is fantastic.
2: But Props I, to I, you. Brilliant. I, w- I would say this, though, um, in case anyone has any doubt about this, when we recorded those lines of dialogue we weren't actually in a rocket that was taking off. (laughs) Oh, my God, I was entirely seduced by the magic of cinema. Yes, yes. So, I'm saying that because, um, just to make you aware, that the fact that you can't hear what the people are saying doesn't reflect on the sound that was recorded when they were saying it. (laughs) That was someone else's choice. Right, yeah.
0: Absolutely, but actually, yeah. I I I have a lot of issues with Interstellar from a story perspective, and it's usually, you know, story yeah. and writing and character is what we talk about on the pod. Yeah. Um, but I think, actually, the sound design you know, for all of his films has been actually pretty amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, props to you, I think, actually. Um, it's not often that I have seen a film and I come away with a very strong impression about the sound, you know, and in part, I think maybe that's a little bit like coming away from a film where you don't have a very strong impression of the music means the music has done its job because the film isn't about the music, you know, it's about the music helping you to tell the story, and the story is the important part mm. of the film. But I did come away from Interstellar with a very strong impression of the sound and the effect that the sound had on me and the way that the sound worked. Mm. Um, if you, if you, I think you know, I would imagine I'm trying to put myself in your shoes for five seconds. Um, if there's any film where you feel that the sound recordist has made a major contribution to the way that the film plays and has its effect, it's interstellar, isn't it? Incredible.
2: Well, it's a, I don't know if that's a complicated answer, but, but I would disagree in that because what you're hearing as a viewer is largely created by the sound designer and the director
0: and do you take any role in that or have you taken any have you taken any
2: role in that in some productions generally no what i do is i do the recou- recording <laughs> i do the recording during the shooting so when the actors are delivering their lines i do the recording of that and then um, basically hand it off to another whole team of people who work in post clean up all the the mistakes and then add in the sound effects and then add in the score that someone else produced and then and then that's all mixed and uh everything else is done by another whole team but that team wouldn't have anything to do if you didn't do your job properly
0: they would be out of a job
2: perhaps but (laughs) but there is the magic of looping as i said before uh, or referred to before right um and there's certainly all those times in movies when there is no talking that they want to fill with something. It might be musical score, it might be sound effects, it could be a combination. And um, so there's lots to do. Um, what I what I guess I feel like what I'm contributing is the the base uh, the basic ingredient. So.
0: Yeah, the main ingredient when,
2: when we're when we're shooting if there's if there you know when we're shooting the dialogue is the most important thing if there's a particularly cool sound or sound effect we try to record that as best we can sometimes we'll do that separately from the camera but if it's in the shot maybe and it seems like it's a featured thing we'll try to capture it at that point also um and then um all of, and, and all of that is to help the sound post department, which is, is usually a sound designer and, and sound editors, help them experience what it was in the moment that the actors were acting. And then they will use that as, as basically a blueprint to, then, to build upon. And in some cases, by the time you get to the final product, the blueprint is completely obscured and there's nothing left of it. In other, in, in other cases, it might be quite prominent. And it just depends on the type of film and the style of film. Um, I'll give you an example. I worked on a film that will be coming out later this year. Um, it's called The Killer. And mm. the director is David Fincher, who I've worked with uh, a couple of times. And he is very similar to Christopher Nolan. He's very... Uh, uh, particular about how his films look, but also how they sound. And he's very focused on that. Um, so in this movie, The Killer, the main character... There's very, very little dialogue. It's like a 120, 130-page script, and there's probably, I think, four four scenes that have, like, key dialogue in it. Oh, um, I like it already. Um, there, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of, of sitting around and hanging. Well, there's also a lot of voiceover, which um, we recorded. But I like it less. Now. Ultimately, they'll they'll, re- they'll do they'll do a they'll do a better recording of the voiceover. But um, my point is is there there's a lot of the movie where it's kind of sound effects and just the the sound of the environment that that you're in, whatever the action is, right? Um, I mean there's there are big moments of action a couple of fight scenes and a chase scene but there's a lot of very static moments as well. Um and the sound is going to be I, I think it's going to be amazing. But a lot of that had very little to do with me. Um <laughs> and what I what we did try to do we shot we shot low we sh, you know spent days and days and sometimes weeks shooting where there was no dialogue at all. Um and we were there to basically record the 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 scratch tracks, quite literally. So we we're recording and so then we we're really focused on, oh, what's the cool sound? What's the sound effect? Oh the door is creaking, or he comes in and he slams down this or, or he's building a gun and the, the mechanical sounds of the of the putting together of the parts. Let's record all these cool sounds. Um and what we were doing was trying to record the best uh we could of, of those of sounds in the moment in all of that 100% is not what you're going to hear in the movie. Yeah. Because that's all replaced by the sound designer and his team to put in super precise and very pristine sound mm. effects. So for instance um we did this um mm. oh what was it? There was an anth- there was an old uh typewriter on a desk and no, it wasn't a typewriter. She, no, this is a bad story. We're going to cut this out. Um, you're, you're going to cut this out. Let me give you a better example because I, I can't think of what it was. But my point is, is that that there was this device on a desk in the middle of this dialogue scene, and it and and it would. It might have been the intercom. I can't remember. No, but you're going to cut this out. But I'll just tell you now, just because it's funny. Um, oh no, we're not. But but uh, but the the sound was a little bit annoying. And 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 we're like we're like Fincher, can we turn you know turn this off or get rid of this and you know or or something like that? And he's like, don't worry about it. I'm replacing that. I'm like, oh, you're gonna replace it? You're gonna re-record it? And he's like, he didn't want to re-record that actual because I think I suggested, oh, we could we can record it wild and then and by that I mean uh, separate from the camera and get a really good recording of it. And he didn't yeah, mean to, right. he didn't want to replace it that way. He wanted to actually change the sound itself because he hated the sound that it was making. So he was going <laughs> to no. manufacture, have his the sound designer come up with a better sound. Yeah. Um, but that's a bad story for your podcast, but it, but it's a funny moment. Well, what I particularly love about that story is it illustrates that you call David Fincher Fincher when well, you're working uh, with him. Well, sometimes I do. It depends. It depends. <laughs> um Depends on the moment. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, there are moments when I might say that. There are other times when I will... Most of the time, I'll call him David. Um, Right. (laughs) Fincher is a little more casual, you know. um, How about Mr. Fincher? No, we're beyond that. I don't think he wants... I mean, he he doesn't want anyone to call him Mr. Fincher. Uh, (laughs) He definitely prefers to be called David. But... Um, And and like Fincher, Mr.
0: Fincher um, Is is, is kind of notorious as far as I'm aware Of doing 70 takes of every shot Yeah Um, Do you end up I'm just curious to know how this works Um, How do you label 70 different audio tracks For the same I mean I presume it's all synced up isn't it But do you end up with 70 recordings Of somebody opening a door
2: Yes Yes um, you do <laughs> and um, can you distinguish any of those if you're just listening to them? Probably not um, <laughs> but you know on on the on the recorder I mean I don't know I guess if you're not I mean I'm trying to think you' you're recording on logic yeah, that's right yeah I think well you well okay, but you know when you're recording on on a, on a digital uh, any digital platform, ultimately you're gonna get a file. Right. And so right, each, yep. each file will have a distinct name. So right, okay. on, on devices that are designed for recording in the field, um, they're set up so you can uh, type in the, the name of the, f- of the file or, or the name of the scene. Ah. And then it can also um, demark a take number. So the whole file name will have a scene mm-hmm. name and a take number. So, for instance, this uh-huh. might be scene scene sixty-two apple, um, and then you do seventy takes of it. Well, you have sixty-two apple take one, and then take two, and then each fi- each mm-hmm. file that's recorded on the device has a oh, distinct what? name. Yeah. And what does the word apple refer to there? Oh, sorry. Oh, that's that's film speak. So when when you're doing when you're when you're filming a scene um, on the script. Each you know each scene has a, is given a number, usually starting with one, and okay. then you go you carry on through, yep. the, through the right. End. Yep. Right. So okay. Yep. So now we're in scene sixty two. Well, in scene sixty two, you might have a, a wide shot of of what's happening, and then you go in. For, then you have a separate shot that's a close up, and then a close up of the other character, right. and then you might have a close up of the gun that they're that they're looking at, or whatever. you know what I mean. Like you have all these different shots that are all part of scene sixty two. So the way the film language that was developed, you know, a hundred years ago, literally, um, to keep track of it all for the editors to make sense of it, um, you give each one, and this is the, this is one of the jobs of the script supervisor, is to keep track of all that. In order to keep track of the film footage, you'd say, okay, the first shot we we do of scene sixty-two, we will call scene sixty-two. Then the next. Sh- and then we might do, at 62, we might do five takes of that or however many. Now, that's, that's right. the wide shot. Now, if we want to go in and do the close-up, well, that's a different... It's the same scene, but it's a totally different shot. So how do you write that down and keep a log of what it is? And so they came up, well, let's just give the next camera position a letter. And so we just go through the alphabet. <laughs> um, and I... I want to say that the European way is, is numerical. They won't use Apple. They mm. would do like 62-1, 62-2, but it doesn't make as much sense to do that, in my opinion. But um, anyways, uh, so that's why, you, that's why you might have 62 Apple, 62 Baker, 62 Charlie. Um, uh, so, Mike, mm. did you see everything everywhere all at once last uh, year?
0: I did. <laughs> I did because I, I am pretty sure that for a lot of scenes in that movie, there were more than twenty-six setups. Uh, oh yes, and I wonder what happens when they get mm-hmm. to see set up twenty-seven for well, scene yeah. sixty-two. Yeah, after like, oh, you go sh- to, what are we going to call this now? Yeah,
2: after after Z after Z or Zebra, yeah. then you double up. Then you go then you go Apple Apple. <laughs> yeah, Apple Apple. apple, apple. apple. <laughs> yeah, then Apple Baker, <laughs> Apple Charlie, Apple, and then worst case scenario, you could go Baker Apple Baker Charlie. So you've got <laughs> you see, so, uh, and that's where yeah. the numerical system isn't useful the the, the alphabetical yeah. you can really like you can kind of go on forever
0: a little bit like everything everywhere at once yes yeah <laughs> yeah and, and the difficulty with a film yeah. like
2: that is you have scenes that that's that are probably the same scene but they appear in multiple moments in the movie so it's yeah. a that's a real yes. uh script crazy script supervisor struggle to keep track of all that mm-hmm
0: so I'm guessing when you're working with um, David Fincher, when you're working with Christopher Nolan, you know, I guess these are like sort of 50, 60-day shoots. Um, how many days do you think you work in the average year? How often are you actually out at work? Okay, I, I, you're very welcome to tell me that's none of your business.
2: I would say that that number, for me, it, tend, it tends to vary maybe more than the average Hollywood sound person, probably um simply because i don't i don't i don't i don't know i guess i feel like i don't work that much um in <laughs> and in this year in particular that's actually- that's technically true i haven't worked very much this year um but in a in the pre covid world um you know hundred hundred days is is pretty good Cool. okay but you know that might be a little a little bit you know, depending, it might be a little bit low. Um, and then, you know, and it kind of depends, you know, if, if I do a really long movie, then after that, maybe I do some documentary and corporate work and then it really, you know, spreads out and gets a little thin. Um, other people, other people who do sound recording, like say, you know, someone who's dedicated, like a professional boom operator, that's what they do. They might finish one movie and then immediately start on the next one. And then when they're mm. done with that, then they might pick up some days on a TV show for a few months, or what you know. So they'll they'll really pack in many more days than than I do. I tend to take on a if I have a long project, I try not to do a, another one right afterwards. I try to have a little bit of a break.
1: It's good for your mental health. I'm gonna guess that it, I was gonna guess that in those hundred days. A lot of them are long days, days and a half, two days at once. Yeah. You know, so it's probably closer to 150 or 200 days. And oh, yeah, if hours, you want hours.
2: Right? I mean, I would say, well, let's see, last, in 2022, I worked 800, no, I was about to say 850 hours. I think it might have been more than that. but um, Yeah, it, I mean, it, the days tend to get really crazy long.
0: And yeah. Is there much downtime during so. the day, or
2: are you? Is he? You know, are you at it every hour, no matter what? Um, that can vary a lot depending on the production. Um, if you're working on episodic television, they have a, a tighter shooting schedule, so the days tend to be more packed. And the, which, okay. in, in one hand, is good because it makes the day go by a little quicker. Um, feature films usually have. Um, if they're like a, a normal or full budget um, they'll have a little bit more um, leeway a little bit more time to set things up so therefore um, the lighting might take longer because they it might be bigger or they might be able to just want to take more time to finesse it sometimes the shots are more complicated and so they're going to take more time setting up the camera in its position and going and and if it's complicated move like if the camera's moving around a lot they might have to rehearse that a lot so um so th- in those moments there can be some some downtime sometimes significant downtime um so kind of you know it de- it's it's hard to give a a good answer but in general yeah. um in general tv episodic tv moves pretty quickly more quickly than than movies or feature films
1: michael i was gonna say in, in my head i just assume that all directors call the sound people mike cause it's so <laughs> convenient it's so appropriate And i wonder is that like a shortcut or is it because of your enduring influence on the industry like think, hey where's that mike guy i like that mike yeah. guy <laughs> No. Do, you, do do people just automatically call you Mike on a set, and then you say, "Yep, yeah, that is my name." As a matter of fact,
2: no, th- no, they they don't because because they know that the mic is what I'm holding. So <laughs> if they don't know my name, uh, and there are a few of those type of directors, they'll they'll just <laughs> say they'll just say, "Hey, sound." Oh, really? Oh. Sometimes they Oof. might say, "Hey, boom," or "or boom guy," "boom guy." But I, I would th- I would think that be, yeah. you're. You're
1: kind of one of the one of the people who's always in a scene and always on a set, so they must. I mean, people obviously, Fincher, as you said before, he knows you. He must call you Mike, for example, Um, because you're what you're probably one of the like five people who's really in every every scene. Yeah,
2: Yeah. and and again, it depends on the director. There are some directors who are totally oblivious of those that work for them, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and there's 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 other directors who who. Are truly uh, aware of the creative element, or, or not, Sorry, collaborative creative element to what they're doing, um, and so it just it, it, you know, you can get a little bit of both. Um, you know, some, some some some, you know what I mean. Like some directors are really aware and and care about who's around them. There, there are some directors, um, uh, David Fincher is one of them, Christopher Nolan's another, where they really try to hire like once they find the people that they like, they try to rehire those yeah. same people. Um, yeah. And, you know, to, I would like, for example, um, to cite Christopher Nolan, I don't want to talk about him too much, but um, he, cause I, cause I don't think he actually liked me, but, um <laughs> but, to, but to his, but, but I will say this as, as far as this topic and knowing someone's name and knowing who they want around the camera there was a moment on interstellar when we were shooting in the farmhouse and we had done like sort of the heavy dialogue part of a scene or something and we were we were switching to do a different scene which only involved one actor who wasn't talking and they were moving around the room um anyways so there was no dialogue uh, for the scene that was coming up. And then for if for some reason, I there was something that was on our storage truck that was away from the set that I needed to go get and look at. And it might have been preparing for the next day. I can't remember what it was. But for whatever reason, I said um, to my boss, the sound mixer, I was like, I'm going to go out to the truck and find that thing we were talking about. Um, and I'm going to have our sound utility guy uh, replace me on set and do this... This shot because there's there's no dialogue and 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 I think it's okay for me to step away. So I went away off to the truck, and the next thing I know, they're calling me on the walkie-talkie. They're like, "You got to get in here. You got to get in here. Get in here right now, Chris." He he doesn't want to shoot until you're back. And and because he's um, he's just uh, he knows what his comfort uh, zone is. And if there's something different in it, if there's a different person in the room, you know, like it sort of changes the dynamic or whatever in some yeah. and in this mm. case, and he he also is in the room he's right literally right next to the camera. A lot of directors yeah. will be in another room down the hall, wherever sitting in front of a video monitor, looking but 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 he but he stands right next to the camera, and if it's just the camera operator and the assistant camera operator who pulls the focus. And then one, you know, and then the boom operator, like if it's just these three, four people in the room, he's quite aware of who they are, what they're doing, what they should be doing. And hey, wait a minute. Why isn't that Mike guy here? You know, why is his his additional person here? So, yeah, um, there are other directors who, who that wouldn't bother them at all it's nice to be
0: appreciated mm-hmm.
2: it, yeah it, i mean it goes a long ways you know when you're getting yelled at and taking abuse you can remember those little moments well he liked me yesterday when he wanted me to be around so <laughs> <laughs> so who what is
0: your like ideal project who would you who would you love to work with again or who who is it who phones up and you always take their call Huh. and you know and you will kind of drop everything and go and work with you know this guy or this crew or this woman or
2: is there anybody you know who comes top of your list well i guess this would be at the top of my list because there haven't been that many that i've worked with multiple times um but david fincher is one of them and it i i do like working with him and i would you know i pretty much always um for the most part take the job. I think they maybe only turn down one. Um but uh it's very it's a very difficult environment. He but but I but I like working with him. Um it can be it can be stressful and, and like I said, it can be very difficult and challenging. Um but for some reason I seem to uh but I do enjoy it. Um he's he's yeah um but there are other situations that I absolutely wished I had more of um you know, wish um certain directors had more movies or movies they would hire me on, but oh well, <laughs> didn't happen there's
0: yeah. still time there's still time yeah well I've got like one last question well, i i we we not seldom end up kind of pussyfooting around a bit of socialism on the podcast <laughs> so, I, so i was going to ask you are, are you have you been affected by the writer's strike is there a union are you in the union do you does the union do you any favors hmm.
2: um pretty much yes to all of those questions um okay excellent and yeah. moving on so yeah <laughs> no, carry on yeah, yeah yeah um yeah in in the states anyway it, Primarily, people belong to a union. In this case, it's IATSE, which is um, International Alliance for Stage and Theatrical Employees. Um, and all the technical crafts belong in under that umbrella. Um, the writers going on strike has absolutely affected all of us because it's... Um, Certain jobs have either shut down or new jobs coming up haven't started up. Uh, mm-hmm. I was actually working on an episodic TV show in May when, right when the strike began, and we started getting picketed uh, at our locations, mm-hmm. and that created quite a bit of complications. Um, so it, it's problematic, but in general... Um, I'm definitely in support of what they're fighting for. I'm, I'm in a labor union and a proud member of the labor union and support their, um, even though they're in a different union, I support them because um, we have to work together to a certain extent in, in this industry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely created a headache, and that goes back to what I alluded to earlier of not working very much this year um so
0: so 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 what you're
2: saying in a roundabout fashion
0: is that if you get thrown out onto the street because you can't pay the rent it's basically our fault
2: yeah yeah well i mean at this point i mean it's (laughs) no i mean it's it's everyone i think everyone plays i mean in this industry and like well like any industry but particularly in film everyone there's a lot of varying levels of uh employees and people involved and you want to see everyone treated fairly in at their level. Right. Yep. You know, and, it, and if, and, it, you know, some people complain about uh, some craft people, what we, what we refer to as, or what is referred to as below the line. Mm-hmm. Right. People, yep. You know, the, te- the technicians, um, Yeah. Everyone's kind of upset. We're, we're out of work. We're having to take the financial brunt of this situation and it's not, our contract is not expired. Um, and why are these writers complaining? They make all this money. And yeah, maybe some writers make a lot more money than I do, but there's a lot of writers who don't. Um, and nonetheless, their, their issues and their means of making money are different than mine, even though it's part of the same industry. So I still have to be supportive of their efforts to, for their means of making money to be fair and, eat and treated fairly, because ultimately this is a very wealthy industry, and the people who, yeah. who people who own the means of production have a lot of money, and there's a lot of money <laughs> being made, and and mm-hmm. and are they sharing that? Are, are we, you know, getting what? Should be part of, of the end result. Oh the, man, it, it
0: it moves my heart to hear a little bit of Karl Marx on, on the podcast again. <laughs> mm-hmm, That's fantastic. It,
1: I it it seems feel too yeah. too much Tom Hanks and not enough Karl Marx of late, huh? Yes, yes.
2: Well, I'm a big fan of um, Billy am, Br- I, Billy Bragg, and he's <clears throat> he's yeah. oh. you know, ah. uh, he's been you know right there with me side by side the whole time. So it's uh, good. <laughs> he's a good friend of the pod too, Billy yeah. Bragg. Yes.
1: End of the pod. Um, I have one last question. and It kind of has to do with names. It's a silly question. Most of my questions are are not sensible. <laughs> but, um, my my one IMDB credit, which I do talk about a lot on the pod, just sort of appeared magically. Right. Whereas when you've got hundreds like yourself, sometimes I notice you're Michael Primer. I've seen you as Michael E. Primer. Do you decide that, or does someone just magically make no. those credits appear?
2: Um um, the unfortunate, and have you ever been Michael Edward Primer, too, maybe? I don't think it's ever been listed as Michael Edward, okay. but um, yeah. IMDb is a great thing. It's the sort of de facto resume yeah. for people. Nowadays, mm-hmm. a lot of times you don't have to have a resume. You just tell them, you know, they look you up on IMDb and that's it. Um, initially, initially though, it started with people literally reading the credits and Taking the name off the screen, oh. and so mm. a lot of times, like on a on a TV show, I might not even get a screen credit, or if I do, the you know the mm. production takes it off of my you know payroll stub or something, you know, or yeah. or they might they might take it <laughs> yeah, off the yeah. off the the call sheet on the day. Now, when a lot yeah. of times when I'm signing paperwork, starting a job, and it's a movie. Uh, A lot of times they'll have a separate page where they say, if you're granted a screen credit, what would you you like your name to appear as? And then I can write down how I want it to appear. And then that may or may not be the case. Uh, You know, when you see the final product, maybe they went by that or maybe they, you know, who knows? Maybe they lost the sheet of paper by then and they just put put up whatever. Um, So... So, to, I, so in answer to your question, I think what what you see on IMDb is typically what's on the screen. Mm. But th- but there's loads of people who either didn't get a screen credit or they're you know especially for for episodic TV they don't have time to put everybody's name on, even though there's sure. loads of people. So a lot of times those names will they'll come from call sheets, and. Um, you know, sometimes I'm not sure how they get their information, but but I think they will get a call sheet and look at the back and be like, oh, these are the names of the people who did that. Um, you know that you, you can go in and edit that. Oh. Yeah, you can you can Ooh. go back and. Edit, oh, I didn't know that. Edit your. I don't know if I guess you could edit your name, you but you pay. can you can edit a little bit about the, the production or your position. Yeah, and then you the submit actor. you submit that, and then someone somehow cross references it and decides to grant it to you or not. So you can't just make up whatever you want. Sometimes. Well, you can. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you kind of can. And, and a lot of people put stuff down, and they might say uncredited. Ooh. And so you see <laughs> someone listed on IMDb, and they'll have you know a bunch of movies, and then it shows like, oh, I was the sound mixer on this, and then it'll say uncredited. I mean, and and you know what? Maybe, <laughs> maybe they did do a day when someone was sick or something. You know, and didn't get a screen credit, so they would put it on. For me for me personally, I I feel like if I didn't do the majority of a project, I don't feel like I deserved to have that credit on my IMDb. Sure. Um, Although there there is one movie that I I, I worked one, I think it was a nine-week movie or ten-week, and I think I only, I worked one week and maybe not even the entire week. So I didn't expect... um, I didn't expect. I certainly didn't expect a screen credit, and then I was surprised to see that it was listed in IMDb because I wouldn't do that because I feel like I'm. I'm taking away from the person whose job who did most of it. You know. Yeah. I don't want to take credit from them. But but the funny thing is, is I actually ended up with getting a screen credit also on this movie, and I'm like, I only worked like four days. why?: did... <laughs> um.
0: It's not. It's not the quantity. It's the quality, isn't it? Yeah. Perhaps. Perhaps. I'm glad they don't ask the director what screen credit should we give these people, because you would just yeah. end up being Boom Guy on hundred <laughs> out of hundred and fifty of your projects. <laughs> yes, yes. No name, just Boom Guy. The vast boom guy. majority. Boom or he'd
1: just be Mike. Or just Mike. Which is perfect. Well, we know who you are, you are Michael Primer friend of the pod now and a good old friend and a man with an incredible history in the film and television industry as a sound man. Um, we should probably let you go so that you can actually get paid to do some real work as opposed to talking to us. But, <laughs> talking to um, us. Producing yeah. audio for no money. Exactly?
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. When The Killer comes out, we, uh, we might ah, yeah. desperately try and get you back on the pod actually to tell us about it. Yeah that sounds good but uh, only if you haven't had that phone call from uh, from Christopher Nolan in the meantime <laughs> we know you have favourites we know you do <laughs> yes well I don't I don't expect that call coming oh, thank you for joining us man it's been an absolute pleasure it's absolutely fascinating happy
2: to be here and um, look forward to talking to you again did you, did you hear that did you hear that we've got it recorded he's yep. yep. promised to talk to us again done right. it on you're the
0: first interviewee we've ever had who said that that's amazing yeah. yes
2: now let me hear that great let me hear that great right. end credit music that I'm credited for